Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Now, if you don't recognize me, I'm one of the youth band members, the young guys that were up here last week. Just us young people doing stuff. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't make you feel old. I don't know what does. I was almost embarrassed to stand up when she called the youth band up. But, uh, it's nice to be with y'all today. Got sunshine. And anybody else had like sniffles or anything weird with all the crazy weather? Been outside, cold, hot, cold, hot. Yeah, but it's almost there. It's almost it's almost outside season. But um, if you want to stand up, we'll pray and praise God. Father, we love you. We're here for you. Um, working us today as we hear your word, as we praise you with these songs, these words. Um, let them move in us and uh, enable us to praise you with them, uh, praise you with our lives, worship you with our lives. It's more than everything, God, so we give you ourselves today, uh, humble ourselves, we come here to learn, to grow, uh, so we pray for that to help and happen in every life here today, uh, we do praise you for the sunshine, uh, just to, to join together with the light coming through, and just uh, to be happy to be together, uh, to praise you, God, so we pray for us as we sing, we pray for Leonard as he preaches, may we hear your word through him, uh, have open ears and hearts to hear you. May it be a great day for you, God. We love and we praise you.
faith in my unworthiness. My value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. At the cross. And I church. I have two beautiful young ladies here to assist me this morning. We just wanted to give a shout out to all of you. We just wanted to thank the church for all of their support in the bake sale and you Sunday last week. We do. We are so grateful for you. You guys really are so supportive of all of us and everything that we're doing. So thank you. I wasn't quite ready to get up there yet. That was fast. Uh, and and probably, probably not even worthy of the significance of what happened. Not that that wasn't good, but it was just great to hear the report whenever I left uh, to go back. I had to move. I was, I was sort of two men in a truck last week with my daughter, only I was one man with um, my daughter and my wife, which uh, I don't know how you want to break down the, the workload, but we all worked pretty hard to get her moved into her apartment in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, so she's uh, uh, out of her house, which is good, right, um, and uh, on her way. So pray that she can find a church, uh, my daughter Maya, because uh, she's looking for a community down there, and uh, that really is a thing that is the most important connection you can make, uh, whether it's down there or whether it's up here. Uh, the place that gives our soul that sense of orientation to the world and our own selves and brings health to that, uh, is a place worthy of spending time in. And I believe the church is the best place to find that, um, find that way of calibrating your life and finding your purpose. Uh, so it's always glad, I'm always glad to be back with you guys so we can just ask, what is God doing next? And it's been beautiful to hear all the stuff that's going on with the kids, uh, with the women's gatherings on Thursday nights, and just the fruit that's coming out of that. Um, I just, uh, I, I, can't, I can't say how much I appreciate uh, all of the energy, all the alignment, all of the desire to find Jesus in these things, and uh, that's really what it's all about. Uh, so uh, with that said, I know there's been a lot going on in your lives, and one of the things that as a pastor I always think about is, given what you tell me you're going through, I, I, I'm always curious to know how does Jesus want to connect his life to your circumstances. And as a pastor, my job is to help you sort of see the role that he can play uh, in your life and help give language to that uh, as, I, as I try to do my ministry to you um, and as we do that for one another. Um, I know a few things have happened since I was gone. One of them, uh, Judy Rich's daughter passed away 
Uh, so Judy's been pretty heavy on my mind, uh, but she seems to be doing pretty good. But uh, keep Judy lifted up. Many of you know Judy. Um, and if you get a newsletter uh, every other week, uh, she's part of the team that puts that together. But she's done so much in this church uh, over the years. And maybe if you look back a little bit, she helped out with the kids uh, overseeing the preschool back in the day. And the list kind of just goes on and on. Um, but uh, when we have a, a season of need, um, somebody that's given so much like that, I think it's good to uh, ask how can we come alongside. Um, and also just want to pray for those that are going through uh, issues with cancer, which I know some in our, in our body here have uh, had some recent struggles there. And I want to lift up uh, Kathy Bates and uh, Jody Williams, who is going through a procedure to try to try to get his health back again, and uh, Liz Elias, who's anticipating uh, just what the path is going to be for um, her surgery, and, and, uh, and, and Dave Syok as well, um, and, and I know there are others that have been, been on our hearts and our minds, uh, so I don't mean to exclude anybody, uh, but uh, as you're aware, I just continue to lift up our friends who are going through that kind of a need right now in their lives, and then also just wanted to underscore of course, you know, we have uh, kind of a real tragedy happening just down the road here a few miles, and uh, we want to keep the community of East Palestine lifted up in our prayers uh, and ask God to work in the hearts and the lives of the people there who are disoriented and uncertain and certainly, certainly trying to figure out in the chaos what it is that life is going to look like in the upcoming uh, road ahead. Uh, and that's been pretty heavy on our minds, and we have different... Um, uh, groups of people that we're partnering with who are going into those places like the Brightside Project and Salvation Army. And um, if, if nothing else, keep them lifted up in your prayers. And all of the, um, the groundswell of people that have come from this area and have responded to that uh, has been very encouraging to me because, uh, you know, we've, we've leaned so heavily on the government to do stuff for us. And we're finding that that's not really a reliable source anymore. And to fill that void, it has just been so good to see kingdom-oriented churches and entities like the one I've mentioned. And I know there are others that have just stepped up and tried to help out. Uh, so please uh, keep them in mind and, and the road ahead. Um, and uh, just uh, what's been happening on a global front, because I know some of you are burdened with the earthquake in Turkey and just the untold tragedy of a death toll there and, um, and the problems that we have in the Ukraine. Um, and, and, and as we just take uh, the local, personal, to the global um, in prayer, is there anything else you guys have on your hearts or your minds today that, that you'd like to offer up? No, no, no. Because you're going to tell me you got another grandkid on the way. Of course you do. Okay. Uh, well, you got our 100% attention here. Okay. I'm just kidding. Yes. Yeah. We've already asked for prayers for our yeah. Alexis. Yeah. Boy, holy cow! Be fruitful, multiply. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I I'm just overwhelmed. But what a blessing! What a blessing! Yeah, absolutely. So we'll pray for your kids as they um, as they bring uh, new lives into the world. Um, okay, that's a good thing. Oh, Patty's just right out of the gate. What is, okay, Patty. What?
Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is that is a praise, but also a prayer concern as far as uh, your mother-in-law uh, turning a hundred. Uh, turn one hundred Friday. That's amazing. Yeah. But also, uh, you know, as you think about people like her who are living in East Palestine or the proximity thereof and what life looks like for them. Some of them live alone. Some of them, you know, have uh, really a lot of uh, questions and anxieties that are way beyond, I think, where they're at in life to be able to manage. So keep them lifted up. Uh, Anna Mary? Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, so uh, um, she just mentioned uh, Judy Rich's granddaughter, uh, Beth, is expecting with a high-risk pregnancy, and I uh, want to keep her lifted up right now. Judy, Judy just asked if our church would be behind her on that, keeping Beth and her unborn child lifted up, so please do that. Any others? John? Uh, Quick Club, uh, we'll have... Uh, I would just, I would just kind of stay low. Plus, they're bringing in the the Salem Drug Task Force representative. So, yeah. So, well, the police dogs there then? No. Oh, okay. 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 So that's our Joy Club gathering at um, on Wednesday at noon. So if you want to join us, uh, it's really just for, it's for everybody, but a lot, a lot of retirees, they, we get together and, and have a speaker, and it's just a, it's a great time of fellowship, and you learn new things about the community. I've learned so much from all the speakers that we've had. It's been wonderful. Okay, so that's this Wednesday. Um, keep that in mind, and uh, we'll roll through a couple more announcements in a second, but I think this is important. It's important to celebrate the kids, and it's important to celebrate what's happening with uh, the ladies. I mean, it's a consistently high attendance, and we've got an if gathering coming up for women on, on the weekend uh, that uh, uh, we're in preparation for, and that's pretty exciting. Um, so, you know, I, I think as God is moving in our church, uh, we're seeing stuff that is happening that is just uh, one thing building on top of another thing that's already been established, and who knows where this is going to go, but I think this is an awesome way for our women to just uh, find their identity and their sense of worth and their sense of purpose and calling uh, in the Lord. So um, if you haven't signed up yet and you want to be a part of it, it's on Friday and Saturday coming up. Um, So uh, be praying for that as well, okay? Uh, Anybody else have anything? Your 12th great-grandchild. So we're talking about Diane and Ernie. A girl will be up here. So we have a little competition going on here. But it's a good competition, right? 26 grandkids. So this is what you guys are on track for. You're You're on the path right there. You need some pointers, just talk to them. They're... They've been down that road. That's awesome. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, Rachel. 
Okay. Okay, Sammy, who was just baptized a few weeks ago, having uh, tonsil surgery tomorrow. Uh, so just keep Sammy lifted up. It's been a bumpy road, and Sammy's a pretty gritty girl. She's, she's, got, she's got some fortitude, but uh, she's been handed a lot. Um, and praise well for Ethan, who was baptized last week. That's just so exciting. And um, really thrilled for him and for his family uh, and just what that milestone means in their, in their walk with the Lord. Well, we're going to go ahead and pray then, and then we're going to get into the message. So would you bow with me? Our Lord Jesus, we are so grateful as we gather every Sunday to recognize the reality of your kingdom at work in the lives of the people that gather in your name and to see you at work in their lives in ways that um, the expression on their faces reveal your presence. And Lord, as we just uh, come to a place in the week where we are establishing ourselves for the remaining six and a half days, we pray that you would bless this day so that in the course of the rest of the week, <clears throat> we would know your help and your abiding presence and your strength for challenges and the joy that comes from the, the fellowship of being with you and being with those who have you in their hearts. We also pray, Father, that as you look at us in this moment where uh, people around us are confused, they're uncertain, they're looking for guidance and leadership, I pray, Father, that you help us to be one of many churches in our community that is in tune with you, that hear your voice, and that are able to see what you see and to respond faithfully according to your will and your purpose for what the moment is asking of us. So thank you for helping us to attune ourselves that way and to be able to respond in a healthy way to the needs and to be of one mind as we do. Thank you, Father, for uh, the, the good work that Amy's been able to do with, with not only the kids, but uh, in developing a women's ministry here at church, and just uh, pray that you would continue to expand that and show, shower your favor upon it. I pray for the, the, the kids who are uh, finding this sense of identity and purpose as they follow her lead, and I'm so grateful for the enthusiasm that... Um, is so contagious there that is just uh, overlapping into their lives. And I pray as well for our ladies as they gather and as we've just been building things into their lives through uh, the, the teaching and the gatherings and the sharing. I pray that you would uh, allow that, Lord, to germinate in a way that, um, that, that just draws out who, who we are in you. Thank you, Father, also for what you're doing with our men and how as we gather uh, every month and we just uh, uh, enjoy the fellowship and the meal and the word that you are using that as a way to um, establish us in our identity, Lord. And as um, we just take the things that have been on our hearts pastorally, we pray that you would be with those who are struggling with uh, the reality of cancer in their lives, but um, give them that sense that uh, it is counterbalanced with the hope that we have in you, that we either have life or we have life everlasting. And either way in you, um, we know that um, it always ends well. But in the meantime, we just want to lift those up who are struggling, looking for health and healing and, 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 and better times ahead, uh, that you would be that source of encouragement that you'd be that great physician. I pray, Father, that as um, we celebrate these young lives that have come into the world and those who are on their way and those who perhaps are in a, in a precarious place right now like Beth, 
We pray that in all those situations that you would be active, that your angels would surround the vulnerability of those moments and allow young lives to, uh, to just come into the world and thrive. And those that are here, help them to find you as they do. Lord, I'm so grateful for uh, what you're doing in, um, in this body and our people who gather online as we are able to express your word. And I just pray that you'd bless it again today. We're moving into the Lent season, Lord, and we pray that as we just track with your son through the, through, the, through the last days that he had here on earth, that we can see the significance of that and trust that um, there's a word there for us in the midst of it. So give us eyes to see what your son experienced, to know um, just the weight that he bore and what it meant to accomplish and to win our salvation. Um, so may our souls be able to grasp that and, and just step into that as, um, as we hear your word proclaimed. And use me, Father, as your voice and help me to be in tune with your intention for this moment. And um, as we lift these things up, Father, um, I pray that you would uh, give us a heart and a mind for the things that um, are important to you. As you taught your disciples to pray when they asked Help us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, well, we are going to pivot just a little bit into um, uh, what, what the Lent season is all about. And if you happen to pick up one of these books last Sunday, um, this is what we're going to be doing. But if you, if you don't have one, this is our Lent devotional. We put this together, bless you, we put this together um, just a, a, a while back, and, um, and, and I'm really excited about it because it's going to be tracking through the remainder of the book of Luke. Now, as you know, we have been preaching through the book of Luke for almost two years, and as we've done that, um, it's been very rewarding to see how much the, the idea of the kingdom and, and those notions of what it means to be a kingdom citizen have been baked into, into, our, into our spirits, and uh, the remaining... Uh, chapters of the book of Luke we're going to conclude during Lent. And essentially what I've done is taken uh, the Lent devotional and structured it around Luke 20 through 24 and just kind of going through the passages in sequence. And what excites me about doing that is because uh, Jesus um, uh, did so much in, in, in those chapters that is so enriching for you and I as followers of him that as we go through it in Lent, it, um, it's a season where we can just attend to uh, what Jesus wants of each of us as uh, we read his story and then think about how that overlaps with our own. So you got all that? Okay, well, you can just get on YouTube later on and replay it if you want. But the bottom line is these are free. I encourage every one of us to do this together as a church because what has happened in this last year because we did this together as a church. We went through the Lent devotional. We studied, um, uh, we studied Ephesians 4, Matthew 28, and um, Acts 2, which are defining for the DNA of this church. And it was so gratifying to see us all kind of thinking along those lines. 
and the intent is still the same. Um, I write this stuff, Amy writes her stuff, and the reason why we do it is because we want to be specific to where we are at, how God is leading us, and this is part of our gifting is to be able to do that. So please pick this up, and, uh, and uh, Monday through Friday, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be reading the same thing together and praying about the same stuff together. They're just right outside the worship center as you go, so don't forget. Um, that said, uh, we'll get into the message time, and we are looking at the book of Luke. Uh, we're going to be starting with uh, chapter 20, and um, what you're going to read tomorrow in the Lent devotional is actually going to be the scripture that's on the screen. Uh, so we're going to just jump into it. Um, here, here we read, let me get a drink here. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came up to him and they said, tell us, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who is it that gave you authority? And um, if I can just ponder that, that question for a second, as you read through the book of Luke, um, so much of Jesus' life uh, is leading up to this moment. And essentially what he's doing is he's challenging the way the religion has been set up. It's been set up in a way that is, in, in, in many ways, just off the, off the path of what God intended for the temple and the priesthood and religious observance to be. And as he came into the world, he's correcting that. Now, how many of you guys appreciate it when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you know what? I think what you're doing isn't the right way to do things. We all receive that well, right? Let's just be honest. Um, nobody likes to stand corrected. And especially the guys that Jesus is going to be, well, in a sense, correcting. And the only way that he has credibility is because he was authorized to tell this story from the standpoint of our Father in heaven, who observed the way things were and the way things needed to be and the gap in between. And the reason why he sent his son was to close that gap so that what is happening on earth will be in sync with what is intended from heaven. We just prayed a prayer that said, on earth as it already is in heaven. And it was the prayer when the disciples asked the question, Jesus, teach us to pray. He's like, okay, these are the things that are important. Keep in mind that the things in heaven are supposed to be in sync with the things happening on earth. The problem is there's a gap between what is happening in the church, so to speak, and what is happening in heaven. And so he's calling it out. And Jesus does that. He not only calls out them, but he calls us out. And his hope isn't to be punitive, but it is always to get our lives in a place where we are healthy and in a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And once we are in that place, we look back and we say, man, I can't believe I was doing it that way for so long. It just seems so right, but yet... When he spoke into my world, things started, started to change. I started thinking different thoughts, and I started looking at people differently, and I started having a heart and a mind that wasn't, wasn't familiar 
but was good. And many people will tell you, hey, I was a different person before Jesus came into my world. And when he did, maybe it was kicking and screaming. Maybe it was, hey, I'm going to bolt the door. But eventually, we came to that place where we said, you know what? All the other voices that I'm hearing right now, they're just not getting it done. I'm still empty. I'm still unfulfilled. I'm still longing for that thing that I can't find. And Jesus came to address exactly that. Well, all of that has to do with you and me because the word authority there is something that we're kind of going to double-click on. It is a word that will carry us through to the end of the book because Jesus is establishing his own authority. And did you know when you hear that word author, what do you think of? A lot of times I think of, you know, a book and a writer and a guy behind or a gal behind a typewriter and they're telling me a story and then their name is on the completed project. But did you know the word author is actually embedded in that word authority? It actually means that you are taking somebody's voice and you're allowing it to shape your own life in a way that the story of your life is deeply influenced by that voice of authority. You're, in a way, they're kind of helping to author your story. Well, I don't want to get too down in the weeds with that right now. Other than to say, the people at the temple love to tell other people what to do with their lives at every level. And Jesus was threatening that like you would not believe. And they weren't taking it very well. And in a lot of ways, they're kind of saying, who do you think you are? You're not the boss of us. Matter of fact, we are so powerful that if you keep this up, it's not going to end well. And this is really the beginning of a throwdown. And as Jesus is in this encounter, the disciples, you know, they're on the side watching this, and they're saying, where is this going? And they're tracking with him through all of these chapters that we're going through in the Lent devotional. And what they find is this is a challenge to their authority. Um, so let's read on. Uh, as, as we do, uh, Luke picks up in verse 3. Uh, this is the authority that, um, this is my response to your question. I will also ask you a question. Don't you love that? <laughs> they have a question, and Jesus is like, you know what? I'll answer your question with a question. They didn't like that. But um, he answered it by saying, you can draw your own conclusion here, and this question will help you find your answer. And here it is. Before I came, John was baptizing people, and everybody knew it. And nobody was really pushing back. But rather, they were going and they were responding to that. Both Romans and Jewish people and Pharisees, all kinds of people were going out and seeing what John was doing. And uh, they were just like, this is a thing from God. So he's asking them, was John's baptism, meaning was he authorized to do that from heaven? Or was he authorized to do that based on his own ideas or somebody else's pushing him to do that? That was the question. And you're going to find out in a second why it's significant. So he, he says, and they discussed it with one another. And if they said, from heaven, well, he'll say, then why didn't you believe? Why didn't you believe him? Because John came preaching that Jesus was on his way. And now Jesus has showed up. And they're not liking what they see 
in the form of the Messiah that Jesus is presenting to them. And he knows it. And so if it's from heaven, uh, he'll say, then you should have believed him. And you shouldn't be questioning what I'm doing. You kind of see the dilemma he's creating for them with his question. But if we say from man, well, here's our other fear. All the people, all the people will stone us to death. For they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they have a dilemma here. All the people say he was a prophet. They're on the fence because they're not even accepting his message because his message doesn't fit what the temple had become. The temple had basically become the central bank of Judaism. It had become the governing structure where all the rules that would apply to the Jewish people underneath the Roman oversight would be generated by the people in the temple. So they had full political control. They had full economic control. And all of the ways that you wanted to access God were designed by them and through them. So essentially, the temple people had control of the money, they had control of the religion, and they had control of all the government policies. And Jesus is saying, I am questioning all of it. How do you think that went? I mean, do you ever question authority? I, I know some of us, you know, we, we question authority a lot because we're not sure we trust where they're coming from. And there are others of us who really don't want to go there because it's just a lot easier to have people who know about that stuff. They know how to run governments. They know how to run banks. They know how to run things that require policy on a day-to-day -day basis. They know how to run the religious aspect of it. And it's just easy for me to plug in and follow their lead. And I get it. Because you could wear yourself out trying to be your own authority over all those areas. And so you need trustworthy people to say, hey, here's the way. And as citizens of the United States of America, a lot of us have said, I'm not sure that they know where they're going. Am I, am I alone in this? Okay, so it kind of puts us in a weird predicament. And I even feel like what we went through a couple of years ago caused a lot of us to ask the question, does the government really know what they're doing? Does anybody in government know what they're doing? Does people who run the banks, are, do, they, do they know what they're doing? And, you know, we've had some weird things happen in the last couple of decades. And then you have religion. And when you come to church, you're like, I've gone to church my whole life. And the way things are right now is very different than the kind of America and Christianity that I grew up in. Now it's all weird. Church is even weird. And what we've had to do, because the fact of the matter is, the religious establishment that Jesus is taking on, we're, we're kind of that in our own way. And we got to ask the question, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing as Jesus said we needed to be doing it? And we had to go through some real soul searching. In some ways, we had to change some things inside of us. And we had to change some things in the church to align with what Jesus was saying we should do. Because the bottom line was, of all the voices of authority out there, 
we were uncertain about every one of them. But there was one voice in our gut that we said, I know we can trust him, but I'm not sure how that works in the times that we're in. Do I just trust him with my soul? Bless you. Or do I trust him with every part of my life? And what I've seen in this body of people who've gone through this with us during that place on the timeline is almost every one of you have had to make that decision. I am choosing to trust the authoritative voice of Jesus. Even above and beyond myself and the elders and the people here. And the only way for us to have a credible voice was to get in line with the voice of Jesus. But you know what's so cool about that? Is it actually had a positive benefit on the people that have said, I just got to surrender it all to you. I got to trust you. I can't trust Fox News. I can't trust CNN. I can't trust the politicians. I can't trust this. I can't trust that. I don't even know how to begin to make sense of what's happening around me, but I know someone who does. At every point in my each area of need of my life. And you know what's so cool? Is how, as we fast forward the story to our time, what Jesus was doing there was setting it up so that you and I could have a hope and a peace and a sense of the way that we couldn't find anywhere else. And Jesus sees that, but they don't. And they're over there saying, all right, my biggest concern is that, or our biggest concern is we are afraid of the people, meaning that we're afraid that they'll stop trusting our rules and our laws and our policies and our way of of capturing their money. But if we say John wasn't from God, then basically they're going to stone us. You see what Jesus did there? If that in and of itself doesn't lend some credibility to his wisdom and his trustworthiness for being followed, I don't know what does. But let's go on. This is really just exciting stuff. I, I, as I was going through the Lent devotional, I'm like, man, this is just such a good, good way to tune into the Lord. So, And it says, and Jesus said to them, since you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. By what authority I do these things? Don't you love that? I mean, you want to be on the good side of that for sure. And my goal is to help all of us be on the good side of the authority of Christ. And that's probably where I want to go with this message at this point. Because I, 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 I know that we are, we are part of a story that has been reshaping each of our lives that began a few years ago, and I think it started even before then. But it's a story definitely of some deep cultural trauma that we went through together that questioned everything about the institutions and the foundations of our lives. And as we've just realigned with the author of the story that matters we began to come out of it with a new sense of purpose and a new sense of identity and meaning. 
And anyone who has come to our church since that point or as that was unfolding, I feel like they've been looking for the same thing. They've been looking for the answer to a couple of questions. And I would just like to put them out there. And the first one is um, um, people have come to church post-pandemic looking for happiness. I mean, most people I know during that time were just not happy because they were so unsettled. And they couldn't make sense of the chaos. And there was a disconnect a day prior when things were understandable and settled in their own way, but yet at least we were happy. Where can I recapture that? And God, I think, gives us that, that longing. He designed us for that. And even as we have become in the large agreement with our nation to have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that idea is sort of a value that we have. But according to the rules of the kingdom, that happiness, longing that we have been given, is actually better described as joy. It is something that actually doesn't even come from this world. It is sourced in one who has come into our world and has become the author and perfecter of our faith and the source of all the joy that we would ever have. To know Jesus is to know joy. And I can't just describe it and say, there it is. I can only tell you, that's, that's what I believe. And if you connect with him in a way that you trust his voice, you'll find it. No matter what is happening around you, you'll find it. And the other thing I think people have been looking for is hope. Because most of the paths that they had been gone, going down for so long just weren't taking them where they felt like they needed to go. And when Jesus showed up, he said, I am the way. I'm the path. I am the one who can show you where to go and what to do. I'm the one who can become an authoritative voice for your life. And I don't know about you, but it's nice to know that I can default some things in my life to his control and not mine. To know that I don't have to live in the insecurity of if it's, if, it's, if it's to be, it's up to me or else. I don't have to live in the anxiety of knowing that if I can't pull it all together in the right way, it's just not going to happen. But to know that where I lack, God's grace is sufficient. That when I pray for death, it says, I'm the bread of life. And when I ask you to provide for the needs that I have, you are... I have to go no farther than you as the source of whatever it is that I need in life. And you learn to trust that. And Jesus, when he came into this world, he saw our struggle. He knows everything that you have gone through or are going through or will go through. Because he became one of us. He gets the human experience. And perhaps if you've ever had anybody preach to you that didn't, has never gone through what you've gone through, how much does that voice really have any weight in your life? 
But I'll never forget a person coming into my office one time, and they needed surgery, and they said, I am so scared. I, I, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I am so anxious. I don't know what to do. And I knew of another Christian that had gone through that. And I said, my friend, I, I can only tell you that the Lord will help you. I can pray for you. But I also know a person who has gone through that very thing. And I pointed them to them, and they came back to me a little while later, and they said, wow. I said, you look very relaxed right now. And she said, I do. She said, talking to that person who was not only a believer in Jesus, but had went through what I went through, helped me to know I wasn't alone. Helped me to know that I could get through it too, like they did. And essentially, Jesus on so many levels, participated in the life experience, even to the point of challenging things that um, people would never challenge, their religious authority, to show us that he was a trustworthy voice. And, and my hope is, at the end of this message or at the end of Lent, when we go into Easter, if you haven't trusted his voice, that you will. You see, when Jesus was walking into this whole thing at Jerusalem, if you don't know his story very well, I just want to say that towards the end of his life, he took his disciples and a crew of people from the northern part of the country down to the southern part of the country where the temple is. And as he did, he was preaching and proclaiming the good news. And he went into the city. But right before he went into the city, he cried over it. Because he knew how misguided the city was. And I'm talking about Jerusalem, the holy city, where the temple is. And he said, if I could only gather you like a chick gathers, like a hen gathers its chicks underneath the, the curtain of its plumage. And what everybody, what that meant to them, because, you know, I don't know if you have, anybody have chickens here? Some of you do? I'm not going to hit you up for eggs, just asking. Okay. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't think so. Okay, so in, in, in a barnyard in Jesus' day, there would be fires because things were volatile and they would, were incendiary. And when a barnyard fire, fire would happen, a, chi, a hen would gather the chicks underneath her plumage. The fire would ravage through and then the chick, or the, the hen rather, would probably die. And the chicks, however, when the coast was clear, would come out from underneath the skirting of the mother's plumage. And find life. And Jesus said, if only, Jerusalem, I could just gather you under my plumage and I could protect you. But you won't have it. And he was so heartbroken going into the city. And the primary target was what was happening at church, oddly enough. It's that important. Because he knew that if you settle the things that are right in church, you'll settle everything else. And I, I don't think that's changed. So he goes in there with a sense of redirecting the authoring voice of the people to the person that can best be the writer of their story. The Father gave him authority to author your life and mine and theirs because it was in tune with God's design for who we are and where he's put us. But the other thing that Jesus had on his mind was the fact that it would cost him his life. It would cost him a kind of agony that I can't even imagine anyone on earth has ever experienced. 
but what would drive him through that, through that confrontation, series of confrontations, the escalation of those confrontations, and then the stacking onto those confrontations, the devil and the legions of hell itself. And if that wasn't enough, he would be shut out of the community, crucified on a hill in a shameful and humiliating way, disconnected and basically discarded and put to death, execution style. For doing what? Absolutely nothing, except being faithful to God's purposes. He knew that was coming. And when you know that you have something coming that is going to be extremely painful, and I, I, I'm the first to, to say, yeah, don't like pain, um, then what is it that tells you, but you need to walk into it anyway? And I love what the writer of Hebrews says as he's looking backwards to the story that we're going through during Lent. And he says this, we fix our eyes on Jesus as we're going through our own version of, of the dark valley. The pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch that? As he's going towards the cross, because for the next several weeks, he knows that that's his destiny, and he knows it's not going to be easy. And he comes to a place where he says, Father, if, if it's your will, please take this cup from me. But on the other side of that, God showed him where it was going and that it would be worth it. And I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be nice if somebody was describing your story and mine at the end, and we knew that along the way, we went through some pretty difficult seasons, that our story didn't end in tragedy, but it ended in joy. Are you confident that your story is going to end in joy? Because I think that makes all the difference here. And that confidence is actually tagged to your connection to the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. It's also mentioned in those verses. You're connected in your connection to Jesus. Because remember, Jesus is the source of joy. Now, you're going to get signals from all around all facets of your lives that say, hey, here's joy, here's joy, here's joy, here's joy, here's joy. But nothing is able to, in, in, to the satisfying degree to offer joy at the deepest level of your being like him. And as he brings that into our world, he's asking us a question. Right now, who is authoring your faith? Who is authoring your life? And he was asking those guys, who is the author of your life? And then he's asking his disciples, are the things that you're saying defining, are the things that you've heard me say defining your life? Let me just ask you another question. How many of you remember when you were a kid, the first time you said the Pledge of Allegiance? Maybe first grade? Do you remember about the first time? Kind of approximation? Do they even say the Pledge of Allegiance? Do they do that anymore? 
I, I don't know. It was a big thing. I mean, every, every day, get up, start class, put your hand over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under, okay, you know, you know it. <laughs> but, the, but the question is, did I spend the rest of the day thinking about how I did that? No, I just forgot about it like that. It had no influence on, my, on the rest of my childhood experience. Now, as an adult, I kind of think about it because I pay taxes and I live in a country that's fairly stable, and I, I know that it's important to value your citizenship. But for a long time, I could say, no, nah, I didn't really play a role. And what Jesus was asking is, do you pledge allegiance to him? He's not asking a question, do you believe in me? Um, he's asking a deeper question because belief can actually work this way. Hey, you know what? Talked to some atheist, wasn't convinced. I think there is a God. Maybe it is Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to live my life. The only way you really know if you believe in Jesus is whether or not you're saying, hey, I'm taking him seriously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devote my life to him. That's the only way you really know you, I can really say you believe in Jesus because I believe in a lot of things. But I'm not devoted to everything. I don't give allegiance to everything and anything. Matter of fact, a lot of us had to ask the question, do I give my allegiance to the United States, to patriotism, or do I give my allegiance to God, and how does that work? And my belief is, you give your allegiance first to Jesus, and then he'll help you work it out. The very first sermon, he said, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will work out. And a lot of us were testing that. Do we really trust that as we're going through a pandemic? Do we really trust that God's going to help us if we seek him? A lot of us just said, what, what else do we do? And a lot of us now are asking the question, not so much who's authoring your story right now, but what's your story looking like as he's authoring it? Isn't that an exciting question? What's the FCC story look like as God is authoring it? I, I'm excited about that because I know we've all wrestled with this to a degree that has changed us, and I love it. Um, I had FOMO so bad last week. I mean, I just wanted to be here in the worst way. The reason this, this worked out is I, I, I was in the staff meeting, and I told uh, the staff, I said, I, I've got to be gone this Sunday. I've got to move my daughter. And I'm like, I'm not sure really what to do. And Amy, Amy and Brittany were like, hey, let's just do a kid's Sunday. And part of our vision has been how do we nest the kids into the reality of the larger church? And if you didn't know any of those kids before, you're starting to get to know them now, aren't you? And these are just beautiful kids who have been looking for some leadership. And, and Matt did a fantastic job trying to, trying to help that along the way. But now we have somebody who can dedicate all of their energies to that. And it's so good to see what went from sustainability to now thriving. That's an exciting story. But it is not me doing it. It's not Amy doing it. It's not Brittany or Brian or the elders or, or lay leaders like Rachel or anybody else. It is God. He's the author. I'm not the author. I just show up to work and I say to the people around me, I do these three things. You do these three things 
you do these three things. Let's put them together and do them all for the Lord and see out of that teamwork what will happen in a beautiful way. Where did those ideas come from? I got to be honest with you. I didn't think of them in my role as a leader. I got them from him. Because I had to ask the question, at one point, who is the author of your story, Leonard? Because sometimes you think you're pretty good at authoring your own story. And sometimes you know that Jesus is probably better. And I'm not ashamed to say that. But whoever is authoring your story right now, that's the voice of authority. It's really who are you listening to? And I can't answer that for you guys. But I know there are voices of authority all over the place. Um, you know, thankfully in our community, John, you mentioned JT, a very respectable voice of authority who primarily has the well-being of this, king, of, of this community in mind. And as he serves in that way, he's, um, he's asking the question, how in my role can I responsibly exercise this authority? so that it serves the well-being of the community of Salem. And I, I think he's, time has shown us that that has been his legitimate concern. But there are voices in your life right now that affect how you live. And part of the process of discipleship is to ask an honest question. Who do I listen to the most? Now, I've got echoes of my mom and dad in my head, and sometimes they're right, and sometimes I'm like, no, just go away. Um, and I'm sure I'll have that with my kids. But I, I used to watch news. I don't even watch the news anymore. And I get snippets and stuff, and I pray for stuff, but I don't really believe it anymore. Um, I used to listen to politicians. I don't really believe them anymore. Um, but then the question is, who are you following because everybody follows someone or something, and at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a lot more discerning, and I'm asking the question, who is worthy of my respect? Who's respectable enough in their realm of authority that I can trust that they have my best interest in mind? And Christians haven't had to do that much, but part of my calling is to help you, post-pandemic, to learn to discern who the credible voices are, and who the voices are that are serving some other interest. You see, in Jesus' day, the temple voice was supposed to be a credible voice, but it lost credibility a long time ago. And people were saying, well, they're the only game in town until Jesus showed up. And then all of a sudden, that changed everything. And as we learn to discern, we are asking the question, okay, I'm trusting that voice of authority, and I don't know, again, who it is in your world. Maybe it's a YouTube influencer. I don't know. But as you do, you got to ask the question, what are they committed to? I mean, as politicians are landing in East Palestine, you're asking the question, why are you here? Because you don't know what, are they committed to the people or are they committed to the photo op? And I'm not going to go there. I'm just asking, do they have the best interest of the people in mind? And there's really only one way you can know, by their fruit. Not by their words, but by their fruit. 
Because the temple complex establishment had good words, no question. Their words were good, but their fruit, not so much. And people were tuning out because they no longer had a weightiness to their voice. And nowadays, you got asked the question, what are they committed to as they're trying to sell me this? And then we learn to trust that voice that's committed to us, don't we? We learn to trust the voice that says, you're important. And we're like, not sure I trust you yet, but you prove to me over time that that is where your heart is, that trust will grow. And you will have more of a voice of authority in my life as it does. Now, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he used them some cool imagery, that of a shepherd. And in John, he, he said these words about a voice, because uh, John and Luke actually mentioned that word voice more than any of the other writers of the New Testament. And if I could just back up a little bit to those two passages in John um, and put them on the screen, um, it says, um, uh, let, let's, let's do the other one right before that one. Uh, that's John 10, 3 through 5. There should be another one there because I think I got that out of sequence. Okay, so Jesus says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead, he goes on ahead of them and he leads them and the sheep follow because they know it's vo his voice. And then he goes on to say, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. That is, they don't know if that stranger has their best interest in mind or not. And they're sheepish. Eyes are rolling, dad joke. I mean, I, I made one up yesterday. I was really proud. So we were talking yesterday after, during supper, and I'm like, um, what, what do you do if you put, what do you get if you put cereal in the microwave and put on defrost? Unfrosted flakes, exactly. That's where your pastor's at right now. Maybe a Sabbath break would be good. But what Jesus is telling them is this really is all about who are you going to follow? Who are you going to listen to? Who is going to author your life in a way that your life at the end of the story here on earth ends well? And it was so good to talk to, to Teresa Brown this morning and talk about her dad, Joe, who just was here yesterday, it seems, handing out bulletins at, at you know, roughly 90 years of age saying, or hearing that voice, Joe, it's time to come home. And to know in the legacy of his story, you have all of these cool things. One of them was, I, I got to share this. It was like, before he told me this, he said, before, let me make sure I get this right if Teresa's in here. Before, um, I just kind of went to church and I wasn't really committed to God. But when I, when I became aware of the need for God in the lives of my kids, 
that's when it got serious and I realized they need me to be who I need to be for Jesus so they can see him in my life and have that positive voice speak into their life. And it was so cool, and Teresa will tell you that better, so I'll ask her. It was so cool talking to her and her sister Susan and stories that they told about Joe calling Susan up every morning. And Susan's been kind of on again and off again with church over the years, every morning doing Bible study with her and praying with her. And then Teresa had her own story of what Joe did. And it was like Joe came to the place in life where he realized his story wasn't even the most important thing, but rather how Jesus was using him to shape the stories of other people. That's some next-level stuff. And maybe that's what some of you need to be thinking about and praying about. How am I helping to author somebody else's life? I know Amy's been trying to do that with the kids, and those who are supporting that are saying, how can we start this story off in the right way? And I'm asking you, if you haven't started your story with Jesus, how can we help you start that story with him in the best way possible, in the best environment possible that can nurture that in the way that Jesus can produce in your life that thing he's looking for? We want to be those people. Because actually, it's just not your story and her story and his story. It's our story. Whether you like me or not, you're stuck with me forever. That's, that's the bottom line. And conversely, I'm stuck with you too. So there you go. But it's a good stock. The best kind. Under the best conditions. Under the best voice of authority. Who has your best interest in mind. And I just want to introduce you to him. And if you don't know him, I'm not trying to say, hey, get our material. It's free. I don't, I don't care about that. I just want you to know him better, and that's what's driving this. But either way, I'm here to tell you, he is worth knowing. Do you know him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the ways that you clarify in our own minds the things that we've given our hearts to and the things that um, really aren't worth it. And the voices that are beckoning our lives that perhaps they are. I just ask for you to be at work in every heart here to draw us into your story, to authorize our story, to actually be a voice of authority in our lives where we trust you for all of our questions and all of our needs first, over and above every other voice. And Lord, I know that is a jump for some of us, that it is definitely breadcrumbs to baby steps to full embrace. But I pray that wherever each of us are at, whether we are just sort of getting bits and pieces pulling us in, or whether we are just saying, I'm, I'm ready for the next step, Pastor. that you find us willing to say yes to you in whatever place we are at in life because your presence in our world as a holy God in a broken world is just shouting with the loudest megaphone possible yes to us. 
Thank you that all the promises of God are yes in Christ, and they're for each of us. And thank you that where we lack, where we are confused, where we are still living a script of, of lies that are disconnected from your story, you say, I still love you, and I still want you, and I still have plans for you. Lord, just make that come alive in this body as we accept that, that word from you as true. And help our church to be in tune with our kingdom responsibility to the community around us as you see areas where your voice is not being heard, your presence is not being felt, where there's a gap between a great need that breaks your heart and our ability to close it. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful adventure that your kingdom is, the confident place that it, that it establishes in, in you, the trust that you will always provide our needs for identity and security and worth and provision. And as we walk boldly into places that would create fear and apprehension because you are with us, leading us, Lord, we thank you for that beautiful thing. And we thank you that you are trustworthy above all. And I lift our church up and everyone who's watching and everyone that's seeking before you in Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen. we come to that time of our service that we lay before the cross. It's a time where we remember what was done for us through the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. It is a time for us to bring our burdens before him. It is a time for us to bring our sins before him. It is a time for us to prepare our hearts to participate in communion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you just thanking you for this beautiful and wonderful day that we can come and worship you, that we can lay it before you, that we can bring our burdens, that we can bring it all before you and know that you're listening to us, Lord. Lord, we just come to you asking that you help us to examine ourselves, help us to participate in communion in a worthy manner, that our focus is on you and nothing else, and that we can go out into this world and just share your love with everybody that we come in contact with. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
doing is standing one close. of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more for heaven now to give he is my joy my righteousness and freedom my steadfast love my deep boundless peace to this I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ. Stand with 
from this place. We thank you for this time together. We love you, Lord, and we give ourselves to you. Amen. Hope you all have a nice week. Go out and enjoy the sunshine. <laughs>